0: Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Jefferson Smith from Portland, Oregon. It is Wednesday, September 9th. Today, back in the day, September 9th, 1776, the Continental Congress named its settler nation the United States of America. The Continental Congress is a group of colonial delegates who governed the 13 American colonies from 1774 to 1789. The Congress was in part inspired by the Iroquois Confederacy, a league made up of six indigenous tribes in the Northeast. The Confederacy was a participatory democracy with a constitution, two legislative branches, and a balance of power. Despite the complex political and cultural formations of the native tribes, settlers occupied their land and formed their own state. That nation was formally renamed the United States of America in 1776. It would take five more years until that nation adopted the Constitution. And today, back in the day, September 9, 1998, Keiko the Whale was flown from the Oregon Coast Aquarium in Newport to a sheltered bay in Iceland. Keiko got famous in the movie Free Willy. Prior to that film, Keiko first started performing for the public at Marineland in Canada and developed skin lesions indicative of poor health, also got bullied by older orcas. Keiko is a Japanese name that means lucky one or blessed child. After the movie, support gathered to move Keiko ultimately to the wild. A foundation was founded with donations from that foundation and millions of school children. The Oregon Coast Aquarium in Newport was given over $7 million to construct facilities to return Keiko to health with the hope of eventually returning him to the wild. Jean-Michel Cousteau's Ocean Futures Society took over Keiko's care and trained him to swim in the ocean outside the bay. Keiko disappeared on one of these excursions and eventually turned up 870 miles away off the Norwegian coast. Keiko was fully free by the summer of 2002 and departed Icelandic waters in early August following some killer whales, but not integrating into the pod. His journey was tracked via signal from a VHS tag on his dorsal fin. About a month later, he arrived in Norway's Skalvik fjord, apparently seeking contact with human beings and allowing children to ride on his back. Kiko died in 2003. Today we'll start with your Quick Six headlines. And today, September 9th, the Portland City Council will vote on a facial recognition ban. Kate Kay, who's been covering this for months and leading the coverage in the local area on the subject, joins us to talk about the business response. X Ray. First up, it is today's Quick Six Local Rundown. There is an emergency, folks, and if you've been looking at social media at pictures of Oregon looking like Mars with red sky from smoke and fire, you aren't surprised to know that Oregon Governor Kate Brown has approved an emergency declaration due to those multiple wildfires. That declaration allows the Oregon Office of State Fire Marshal to mobilize resources and assist local agencies. The declaration has been enacted for the Beachy Creek fires, the Lion's Head fires, for the Holiday Farm fire near McKenzie Bridge. Several Oregon school districts have postponed classes due to power outages. Power outages have impacted. Power outages and brownouts have impacted places around the state. Parts of Ashland and Medford were ordered to evacuate. The Washington County Sheriff's Office issued a Level 3 Go Now evacuation order for all of Dundee Road near Hag Lake, west of the Oregon Highway. Crater Lake National Park announced a complete fire ban. No water charcoal fires allowed anywhere in the park, and smoking is prohibited anywhere outside. Without rain, with a lot of dry, and with a whole lot of wind, it's dangerous out there, folks. Be safe. A new poll is out. It looks good for the police accountability measure. It looks bad for the mayor. About 70% of Portlanders favor the proposal for a new independent review process for police. About two-thirds of Portlanders disapprove of Mayor Ted Wheeler. Here's some more numbers. Support for Black Lives Matter was especially strong. 76% of respondents saying they view it favorably. 22% saying the opposite. The initiative to revamp the city's police oversight system goes to voters on November 3rd. You'll get your ballots before that in mid to late October. The Portland City Council voted unanimously to refer it to the ballot. There was a split on the measure along ideological lines. More than 90% of people who described themselves as progressive or liberal supported the measure, and about two-thirds of moderates also supported it, but 78% who said they were conservative, a smaller portion of those who vote in Portland, said they would not support the measure. 90% 90% of people who said they were Democrats said they supported it. About 60% of independent voters said they support it. But nearly 70% of Republicans said they'd probably or would definitely vote against it. The least supportive demographic by race, gender, age, and geography were Westside residents. 48% said they would likely vote yes, but nearly two-thirds said they would vote no. 56% of those polled said that there was a systemic problem in Portland policing. About 30% based misconduct on a handful of bad cops. In other issues polled the biggest handful of issues that were viewed the most serious by Portlanders. Homelessness and housing costs, the economic and health impacts of the coronavirus outbreak, and police use of force and racial discrimination. Speaking of the coronavirus, your daily dose of data, 169 new cases, relatively low relative to previous days and weeks, four new deaths, love to their families, We are now at 28,355 confirmed cases, approaching 500 total deaths. We're at 486. And the Department of Corrections has reported that an inmate has died from COVID-19. A man in his 60s was held in custody at the Snake River Correctional Institution and died on Sunday, the sixth prisoner in Oregon to have died from the coronavirus. The Snake River Prison saw a spike in cases in July with 120 cases among prisoners and 21 among staff. And Oregon cannabis sales have topped $100 million for the fourth straight month. May was the first month the $100 million mark had been passed, and now it's been four months straight. Combined retail and medical sales totaled $103 million in August. Compared to August of last year, that's an increase of 31%. Oregon isn't the only state to see this kind of high. Since the start of the pandemic, sales have also been increasing in Florida, Maryland, Oklahoma, and Pennsylvania. And who knows what's happening in states where they're not tracking it. Trump supporters rallied near Portland and at Oregon's capital on Monday afternoon. Hundreds gathered in Oregon City, just 20 miles south of Portland, on Labor Day for a pro-Trump rally. Later that day, pro-Trump supporters and counter-protesters clashed in Salem, the capital of the state. Videos posted to social media show right-wing protesters chasing, tackling, and assaulting left-wing protesters with weapons, their fists, and pepper spray. After unfolding a large American flag on the steps of the Capitol, right-wing protesters charged counter-protesters, and right-wing protesters made a second rush later. They tackled and beat at least one person, which led to two arrests. And the Mount Angel Oktoberfest is, in fact, going to happen online. Typically, they gather around Mount Angel, a small town in Willamette Valley. This year, the 55th annual celebration is going to be online. Streaming music performances, providing online food and drink sales. They just have to fit the food and the drink real careful in those wires. Options include Mount Angel smoked sausage, local beers and wines, Gewurzmiener, special buns, even specialty mustard. You can place your orders through September 15th. You can pick it up between September 17th and September 19th. You can check the website at oktoberfest.org slash store for the specific times. And speaking of snacks during the pandemic, Mikiko Mochi Donuts is a gluten-free donut delivery pop-up. It's going to be serving donuts to go out of their West space in Northwest Portland. Makiko Mochi Donuts opened on Tuesday. They're going to be serving a range of flavors from ube, mango, and rose milk tea to passion orange guava and ube with hing and salted plum. Makiko Mochi Donuts is not a sponsor, but they will be open in a space at West from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Tuesdays through Fridays. West is located at 1221 Northwest 21st Avenue. By the way, if you do want to sponsor The Local, you can email us at the local at xray.fm. And that's today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. X-Ray. Today, Wednesday, September 9th, Portland City Council will vote on a facial
1: recognition ban. Kate Kay joins to tell us about the business response. You can find all of Kate's coverage on the ban in the new podcast, Banned in PDX. You can find Banned in PDX on xraypod.com and your favorite podcast platforms. Here's Kate Kay with more. Amazon spent $24,000 to lobby Portland lawmakers against it. National tech lobbying groups have fought it too. Local business organizations are against it. And the Oregon Bankers Association wants an exemption. Portland lawmakers will vote on September 9th on the city's proposed facial recognition ordinances, nine months after the city revealed its initial draft of the legislation. For anybody paying close attention, it seems like a lifetime. But even when it comes to catching up with tech, government sausage is rarely made quickly. It was way back in January when regional business opposition to Portland's ban proposal surfaced. In case you think a facial recognition ban in Portland is just a set of rules affecting one mid-sized city, business interest in the legislation suggests anything but... It could influence cities across the country to consider establishing tough restrictions that prohibit private entities like businesses from using facial recognition. I'm Kate Kay. In this episode of Band in PDX, I'll explore the opinions and concerns of business and tech here in Portland, nearby in Seattle, and way across the country in Washington, D.C. This is Banned in PDX. So as listeners know, Portland City Council will vote soon on two ordinances. One prohibiting use of facial recognition by city bureaus like the police bureau. And one outlawing many uses in private places accessible to the public. Think stores, banks, hotels, private schools. In general, industry groups that have spoken out about it don't like the idea of a ban, especially the ordinance limiting private use. It goes too far, they say. It could have unintended consequences. They say it prevents businesses from using advanced technology that has valuable purposes like enhanced security, crime reduction, and cutting-edge consumer experiences.
2: Our members strongly believe their customers, as well as the general public, expect and support the use of the most modern technology to ensure safety and the best experience while in a private business.
1: John Isaacs is vice president of government affairs for Portland's Chamber of Commerce. They call it Portland Business Alliance, or PBA. He spoke during a city council session back in January, addressing the possible facial recognition ban. The PBA declined to comment for this episode of Band in PDX. The organization told me quote, As you can imagine, our focus at the moment is truly centered on the significant events that have recently transpired in Portland. Indeed, amid the pandemic and nightly protests against police abuse downtown, there are huge challenges facing local business coming from multiple angles. But the PBA, along with the Technology Association of Oregon, did recently send a joint letter to Smart City PDX. That's the city's data and tech use advisory group that has drafted Portland's proposed bans. The draft ordinances are harmfully too broad, wrote the two business groups. They went on, quote, we can address... The public's concerns about facial recognition technology's impact on privacy, security, and racial justice without depriving the public of the benefits that facial recognition can bring. The groups listed all sorts of facial recognition uses they see as beneficial, from hotels recognizing loyal customers to healthcare facilities verifying patient identity and mobile apps that help people with memory loss to recognize faces. But despite possible benefits for business, there remain serious concerns about facial recognition algorithms that are less accurate when detecting dark-skinned faces. In fact, the legislation prohibiting private use of facial recognition, it addresses this directly. It notes, quote, black, indigenous, and people of color communities have been subject to over-surveillance and disparate and detrimental impact of the misuse of surveillance. Face recognition technologies have been documented to have an unacceptable gender and racial bias. The PBA and Tech Association of Oregon, they argued in their letter that the city could alleviate those concerns. They wrote, quote, instead of banning facial recognition technologies, the city could take action to ensure that Portlanders only use high performing facial recognition technologies in ways that would reduce rather than exacerbate racial bias. They said the city could mandate performance audits and impose procurement restrictions based on testing results from the National Institute of Standards and Technology. That's NIST for short. That's a federal agency that's conducted several studies assessing facial recognition algorithms. It's worth noting, though, that the ban legislation itself states That the city just doesn't have the resources to monitor who's using what type of facial recognition tech or to evaluate the accuracy levels of these technologies. So what else do business groups want? Well, most are concerned about ban language that allows people to sue non-compliant private entities for damages. Some worry a private right of action could lead to frivolous lawsuits especially against small businesses. Some say establishing a blanket ban on one particular category of technology is the wrong way to go. They suggest the city could restrict how it can be used instead. And many have just pushed against an outright ban to begin with, suggesting that a temporary moratorium makes more sense. The Oregon Bankers Association, for instance, wants a moratorium instead of a permanent ban. The group sent its own letter to the drafters at Smart City PDX. For banks, it comes down to having what they believe is the most advanced tech for security and identity. So facial recognition is on the radar at lots of banking industry firms.
0: I think
2: it's an evolving technology, and I think what it comes down to is of our banks is paramount. And it's not just security with respect to our, um, our customers. Obviously, that is first and foremost. But it also comes into play with respect to our, our, our tellers and those folks who are actually working in the banks.
1: Kevin Christensen is Government Affairs Director at Oregon Bankers Association, the OBA. The group's board includes top execs at Umqua Bank, Willamette Valley Bank, and regional executives for national banks like Wells Fargo and Bank of America. Members operate in all sorts of areas touching financial services, from loan debt collection companies to tech firms. I spoke with Christensen in late August.
2: This is something that, that our folks spend a lot of time on security. Uh, and it's, it's it's obviously physical security, it's data security. This is something that our, our folks are very much interested in. And that's why there's some concerns, is making sure that you're able to employ a, what I would call a fair and yet robust system to protect those things.
1: In its letter to the drafters of the city's proposed ban, the OBA said its member companies might want to use facial recognition to guard access to data storage areas or vaults. They might like to explore identification systems that allow customers to access their accounts at an ATM or via online banking just by looking at a facial recognition camera. Or maybe they'd like to enhance security cameras and safe deposit box areas with facial recognition features. Right now, it's not clear whether any banks in Portland use facial recognition for any of these purposes today. But the Oregon Bankers Association went further than other trade groups that commented publicly on the ban. The OBA asked for an exemption. Unlike other private entities, they wrote in their letter to drafters, quote, Banks must safeguard the public's financial resources and sensitive customer data. Banks must also protect the physical safety of their customers and employees. Robbery, theft, fraud, and other crimes are, unfortunately, issues that banks must contend with and take steps to avoid. When crimes are committed, banks must take action. Unquote. So, will banks in Portland get an exemption? It looks like we'll have to wait until the city council votes on September 9th. By the way, the drafters of the facial recognition ordinance has recently unveiled what are believed to be the final versions the council will vote on. Despite the fact that business groups have lobbied for less restrictive rules, there aren't too many changes since the ordinance drafts came out in July. <laughs> So we know local business groups have some issues with Portland's ban proposal, but it's grabbed the attention of big tech and national organizations, too. Let's remember, if Portland passes its ban on private facial recognition use, it could really influence cities across the country to consider establishing similar restrictions. And Amazon, which makes facial recognition technology, doesn't like that prospect. So the company has hired a lobbying firm to combat the ban. Public records show Amazon has paid the lobbying firm $24,000 since December to contact and meet with city council staff. And city archives show this is the first time ever Amazon has lobbied Portland city government. Staff in City Council Commissioner Joanne Hardesty's office are among the people that lobbyists have met with specifically to discuss the facial recognition legislation on behalf of Amazon. I spoke earlier this year with the commissioner about the ban and tech opposition.
2: They're hoping that they can stop it, and they can't. Uh, And if they can't stop it, they're hoping to soften the language so that they would have more wiggle room, and they also won't be able to do that.
1: Listeners will recall Amazon has a vested interest locally, too. Right next door to Portland, the Washington County Sheriff's Office used Amazon's recognition system between June of 2016 and June of 2020, when Amazon announced it would place a one-year moratorium on police use of the software. And if you want to know more about that, there's a lot more on it in Episode 4 of in PDX, which focuses on law enforcement and public safety. In fact, a business group linked to Amazon that's featured prominently in that episode has spoken out against Portland's proposed ban, too. The Information Technology and Innovation Foundation, or ITIF, they're a Washington, D.C.-based group that wrote an opinion piece published in January in the Oregonian. In it, they promoted facial recognition as a proven tool of public safety. They said a ban on Portland's police bureau use would, quote, prevent law enforcement from using facial recognition technology to find missing persons, catch identity thieves, improve security in crowded venues, and identify victims, witnesses, and perpetrators of crime. The thing is, while ITIF calls themselves a think tank, It just so happens that sitting on the ITIF board are several top lobbyists for tech firms that make facial recognition, including Amazon and Microsoft. But that's not all. Other national groups have pushed against the facial recognition legislation here in Portland, too. The Security Industry Association wrote a letter to drafters of the ban, too. And they put things in the context of the pandemic. They wrote, quote, touchless access control solutions are are more important than ever as we work to protect essential workers during the COVID 19 pandemic. They added that in healthcare facilities, facial recognition technology can reduce contact during patient check in. And they said it can also provide a way to identify unconscious patients in need of emergency assistance. Then there's the International Biometrics and Identity Association, the IBIA. Of course, they have a vested interest in this issue. Facial recognition falls under a broader category of tech, biometrics. So, like the Oregon Bankers Association is to banking companies, the IBIA is to makers of biometrics like facial recognition technologies. The group contended in its letter to Portland drafters that, quote, "the rationale for the Portland ordinances is not supported by facts" or science. Like many other business groups with a stake in facial recognition tech, the IBIA said the city's take on a government study evaluating the accuracy of 189 facial recognition algorithms was wrong. The study they were talking about was conducted by that federal agency I mentioned earlier, the National Institute of Standards and Technology. The agency found that on average, facial recognition software produced higher rates of false positives when detecting Asian and African-American faces compared to faces of Caucasians. The IBIA and other tech groups have argued, though, that that big picture assessment of the algorithms, it misses the fact that the best performing algorithms are highly accurate even when detecting non-white faces. So instead of seeing the study as validation that facial recognition produces biased results that could negatively affect people of color, the IBIA argued, it showed that top-performing algorithms have undetectable differences among demographic groups. But even the lead author of that objective government study emphasized the importance of looking at all the algorithms it evaluated he wrote, quote, while it is usually incorrect to make statements across algorithms, we found empirical evidence for the existence of demographic differentials in the majority of the face recognition algorithms we studied. Drafters of Portland's proposed ban and most media outlets that covered that study, they made the same conclusion. It's not clear how individual business owners or member companies within these groups come down on facial recognition. But if Amazon's lobbying expenditures and lengthy letters from trade groups and city council session appearances are any indication, business in general opposes much of what Portland City Council members will vote on September 9th. What will the world do? Think of Portland's ultra-restrictive ban. Will they see Portland as a forward-thinking city if it passes these facial recognition ordinances? Or will they see it the way Portland Business Alliance's John Isaacs worries they might? A city that is inhospitable to tech. Here's Isaacs again from that January city council session.
2: Portland has a strategic advantage in tech. After years of struggling to retain these companies locally, high-growth companies are finally able to raise significant investment dollars without succumbing to pressure to leave Portland. A ban on any technology will be viewed to any to some extent as an anti-tech
1: industry action and will have a negative impact on the perception of Portland as a growing tech hub. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler responded to his criticism during that same session. He explained why he thinks this facial recognition thing is a big deal. I want
2: to acknowledge this is a big issue. And the reason we are discussing it here at the Portland City Council is because the federal government has chosen to punt on this issue and not take action. We have experience with new technologies in this community. We saw it with short-term rentals, and we saw it with TNCs. And the reality is that, and I want to make a bit of a differentiation here between big tech and what makes up the bulk of our technology community here which is smaller more innovative more entrepreneurial technology but the reality is when big tech came in they bulldozed local communities in the absence of federal standards and as a result of that with each new technology that comes by we are being more and more discriminating about how that technology is deployed And we want to protect the interests of the public. We know that the technology industry understands that the ultimate battle isn't for market share. It's for information. Whoever controls information controls the world. And ultimately, this technology is about controlling our information. And I would argue it's very different than the TNCs or short-term rentals because you're talking about issues of life and death context of public safety, and you're talking about civil rights and civil liberties. And we heard some very, very compelling testimony from individuals who represent frontline communities who say, look, this time, let's take into account the needs, the interests, and the histories of those frontline communities. And my belief is that we are not being anti-technology by raising these questions and asking, how do we make sure that as this technology spreads and it's deployed broadly, that we are protecting the interests of those in our community who have historically been steamrolled by some of these innovations? What I would like to see Portland do differently is say, we are pro-technology, we are pro-innovation, we are pro-creativity, and what makes us different and unique is we're not just chasing information gathering or market share or ROI. What we are actually trying to do is deploy technologies, new innovative technologies, in a way that people have failed to deploy them previously, which is with frontline communities being considered first as part of the conversation.
1: I, for one, am eager to see if local business has any sway on the votes of city council members, all of whom have expressed concern about potential harmful impacts of facial recognition use. What will happen? Stay tuned to the next episode of Band in PDX to find out. Until next time, I'm Kate Kaye.
0: Thanks to Kate and Kay for your intrepid reporting and for joining The Local and bringing original journalism to the community. Thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown, in about 30 minutes. Thanks also for subscribing and for your five-star review. And thank you, democracy. Talk to you tomorrow. X-Ray.